welcome back to the DC Beer Show, everybody. I am Jake. With me as always, Brandy and Mike. Everybody say hi. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. Happy Black History Month. The last the last episode of Black History Month. And to yeah. celebrate Black History Month, we've got not one, but two guests for your interviewing pleasure. Because who wants to hear the sound of uh, my voice more often uh, than you want to? I certainly don't. Anyway. <laughs> Brandy, what are you oh, drinking? I love your voice, Jake. Thanks. One of the many things that I have consumed since I've gotten home today. Currently, thanks to uh, Mike Stein, he oh, yeah. he got me some Dovetail Rausch, Rausch beer, which is really, really, really enjoyable. That's, that's what I'm doing right now. When I first got home, I had some Vigilante, Vigilantes mm -hmm. from Ocelot. And I'm thoroughly enjoying my support black business beer that I got from Hellbender, um, which I went to on Sunday. And I hope that you guys got to check it out because let me tell you, it was, it was cold outside. No one really wanted to be out in this weather, but it was muddy. Everything was gross because it had rained. And the amount of people that came out was just really kind of surprising just because of the weather, but so nice to see people coming out for this beer and to support black business. I had a couple of pints of the support black businesses, Trappist style triple, which was so, so good. Um, not usually my style of beer that I usually go for, but it's, it was, it's just so well done. So hopefully they still have some more left. Uh, so get, check that out. And, um, at Hellbender. And, uh, while I was there, I, I crushed some pudding po' boy and I woke up the next morning mm. dreaming about it. <laughs> it was so good. So shout out <laughs> to Puddin' and shout out to Hellbender and always support black businesses. Um, but go buy that beer. So what are you what are you drinking, Mike Stein? Yeah. Well, Brandy, I have to say thank you for support small black businesses, uh, medium, large black businesses, because I have now two support black businesses thanks to you. Yeah. Uh, I miss, uh, thanks for braving the cold. Sunday was chilly. Beer right? drop. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I have Ornithology from Right Proper, a beer I believe originally named after Ornette Coleman. Shout out to the saxophonists and uh, multi-instrumentalists out there. But so this is Right Proper's uh, Fooder Fermented Grisette. And there's a wonderful image of a saxophone, uh, as well as a, a couple birds, three birds on the on the front. Um, but Right Proper is putting out beer that's four percent ABV in a sixteen ounce can that was food or aged. That's reasonably priced. Like who is doing that? Nobody's doing that. So shout out to Right Proper. A very big shout out to Imani, uh, aka the Vibe Queen. And if you haven't heard. Get onto Spotify or whatever streaming platform and check out The Vibe Queen. Imani, a.k.a. The Vibe Queen, is our interview, one of our interviews this week. And she is just a young artist oozing creativity. I mean, there is just artistic vibrancy coming out of every pore of her being. And we did a wonderful interview. So we're going to go now to our discussion with Imani, who has been on DC Beer. When I talked to uh, Thor Cheston, one of the co-owners, along with Leah of Right Proper, I was like, Thor, let's talk. Should we have you on the pod? And he was like, I'd be great, but Imani's even better. She, at that point in time, had just recently helped out with Say Their Names, um, the beer whose proceeds went to benefit Black Lives Matter, uh, which was right around the time that the Black is Beautiful beer was coming out. 
So black is beautiful all the time, 12 months out of the year. Fuck white supremacy. I believe we can all say that. And uh, credit to the artists out there among us, not just the artists in the brewing industry, but those who have so much artistic potential and output that they're doing it on multiple platforms. So here we go. Our interview with Imani. Thank you for your time. Enjoy the vibe, queen. I am Mike Stein, and we are here with Imani, who is an artist, an independent artist, a member of an artist collective. Uh, you work at Right Proper, amongst other things you, you work marvelously at. And I just wanted to start our interview by, by giving uh, some kind words from Ty, who also works at Right Proper. She said, Imani was so amazing. I was so intimidated when I first met her because she's so great at work. She was just always looking on point, so precise, and always executed tasks perfectly that I figure if I ever ended up working the same shifts with her, that I'd just get in her way. But it turns out that not only is she a beast at anything she does, she's also really one of the most kindest, caring people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. I feel so lucky and blessed for someone as epic as her to be in my life. Plus, it's a massive perk to be such a fangirl of her music and get invited to her events. I wanted to start you off blushing on our interview. Um, so Ty is is uh, one of your colleagues at Right Proper, and she just she blessed us with this wonderful quote. So welcome to the DC Beer Show. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your work. Hello, everybody. One, I'm still blushing. Thank you, Ty, for those beautiful words. Well, my name is Imani. I also go by the Vibe Queen aka the traveling beer babe as you mentioned i am an artist i make music i do uh, illustration i do a lot of things i'm a jill of many trades i'm born and raised in dc i've traveled the world i love beer <laughs> yeah that's and i guess that's why i'm here too so that's just a little bit about me without going into depth <laughs> that's that's a great intro to the listeners. Certainly, you're well known in the DC beer world, um, the DC music and arts world. But uh, it's good to let those out there who don't know now they know. So, when we last talked to you on DC beer, you had been working on the Say Their Names beer. That beer ended up uh, enabling a donation of over five thousand dollars to Black Lives Matter DC. Prior to the success of that beer selling out, you had told us, quote, I wanted to challenge other breweries that receive the support of the black community to speak up and make a statement that they support us in this fight against racial inequality. I also wanted to encourage and inspire other people to speak up, share their stories and demand change. So how have the collective demands gone? How has your wish to share other stories been going? Okay, the collective demands. Well, for one, I feel like this election alone spoke volumes. <laughs> I feel like within the beer community, I definitely see a lot of progress for diversity and inclusion. There are a lot of more resources and programs targeted uh, towards people of color. And just, I think it's amazing, um, especially with like what Dr. J is doing with the Crafted for All. I've seen the Black Beer Chick with the road to 100 and doing the Cicerone scholarships. So I think it's, I think it's really amazing. And there's still always, of course, a long you know road ahead of us, but I'm very happy about some of the changes that I'm seeing from last year to this year. That's excellent. A very, very hopeful note for 2021 as we were wrapping before the show, it seems like 
years just getting off 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 the ground but um we're starting to see some change materialize and hopefully we'll we'll ride that into 2021 so i talked to leah uh leah cheston who mentioned some of your focus with the traveling beer babe project and she had said that the focus had been on women in the industry so i'm wondering how that work has materialized the traveling beer babe project yes so i would say it is focusing on women in the industry but it's not like exclusive to women in the industry. Um, there are some interviews I have lined up that do feature, you know, just everyone. Um, and it kind of ties back into sharing the stories, how like I want to share the stories. With the pandemic, it's kind of moving a little bit slower because I haven't been able to be out there as much as I want to. And so I feel like maybe during like the spring and summer, you all will start to see some of the episodes. Uh, Ty was actually my first episode with the Traveling Bear Project and then Leah. And so I have, I'm working on the next three now. And then, yeah, so it, I haven't, haven't really had a chance to share as much as I wanted to with everything going on, but I look forward to the near future and getting it out there. But it's all about stories. It's all about sharing the stories and women in the industry, people of color in the industry, and everyone's experiences in the industry, to be honest. Yeah, well, these stories need telling, and you are certainly ad adding great value to our scene by doing that. And I'll say, just following you on IG, it's, it's great to see not your stories in full, but what you're cooking up, what you're making, sometimes figuratively, sometimes literally. And I'm like, oh shit! I really that that looks like some fantastic beverage. I need the the non-alcoholic beverages really speak to me now because um, you know as as the days are getting shorter, there's there's less time for drinking and more time for for healthy drinks, kombucha and and um, syrups and things of that nature. So I'm a fan. I will just say that. Thanks. You you are known as a highly creative multi-platform storyteller. What stories have you been telling or sharing lately that you think deserve highlight? Well, I think you kind of, you know, tapped into it a little bit. I think what I'm really focused on right now in this moment is the health journey. You know, I love beer and I love drinking. I also think that it's very important, especially with the pandemic going on, that we remember that mental health, emotional health, and your physical health is very important. So I kind of went on a 30-day raw vegan challenge. It's been really hard because I want to drink beer, <laughs> but I feel I feel great. I feel amazing, and I feel like I can add beer back into my life in a you know a healthy way. You know, I definitely will have my days where I'm going to pound like five pints, but then I'll have my days where it's just like moderation. So I think that's a story that I've been sharing recently, and that I do think more people you know should kind of get into because it's very important. Oh, it's great. And I love um, the sort of cleverness of some of the storytelling, like, um, you know, totally guilty of just crushing burgers and fries and having, you know, polishing off a six pack. I mean, some days you just want to crush uh, five bananas and like, it's all good. You know, like you just got to eat a pint of blueberries, right? Like it's <laughs> and, and I totally feel you. I couldn't agree more. You know, some it, everything in moderation, even moderation. But mental health is a huge thing that we need to take care of. We need to keep track and watch out for ourselves to make sure we're in our best best form to give back to, to our communities. 
So when you released Amethyst Drip, which is uh, one of the beers you brewed at Right Proper, you worked with Calabash Tea and Tonic. What other Black-owned businesses are you working with? And what other Black-owned businesses do you wish got more coverage or were more widely recognized for the good work they're doing? I love Calabash. So I would say in addition to working with Calabash, because I want to feature Calabash in every beer that I brew, by the way, <laughs> any and every beer. I'm also working with the Indivisible Art Collective, as you, you know, you've heard about. They did the release with me for the Strawberry High beer. I'm working with uh, Our Moment Photography. He's actually working with me with the Traveling Beer Babe project, um, shooting the, the interviews and stuff. There's, there's just so many. It's kind of like hard to list. I really, really want to work. I want to do beer collabs with Sankofa and Somega. They are amazing. And I feel like they should be in every store on every guest draft in this city because those guys work so hard. Their beer is amazing. And I know it's really hard for like, you know, beer contractors right now, especially with the pandemic. So I think they, they deserve a lot of love and a lot of support out here in this area. So that's just, you know, in simplest form. But there's there's so many, so many in DC that I want to work with and that deserve like yeah, I couldn't agree more. Shout out to Sankofa. Shout out to Solmega. These are very special breweries uh, in our scene with their unique and their own identities, but also, you know, with, with ties, at least for Solmega ties to Howard University and the importance also of, you know, having representation. Now we have, uh, you know, Madam Vice President is a, is a HBCU alum, right? That's incredibly important as more stories are told, as you continue to tell more stories that we can link them together and, and have a sort of comprehensive universe, right? And Calabash is is really quite remarkable. Um, you know, they, I feel like in a way, are writing the story of brewing outside of just brewing beer, brewing tea, brewing tonic, um, things that are really helpful to the body. You know, not to say beer is entirely hurtful, but you know, the the sad reality is that um, brewing history has been whitewashed. Right. A lot of black history has been lost in the brewing narrative, especially with ancient, you know, West African traditions, which is where Sankofa comes in. You know, the Akon, the uh, Ashanti looking back to go forward. So, yeah, I just I just have to say I'm so impressed with the work you've been doing, Imani. And, it, and it, I feel like, it, <laughs> you know, you you are you are you are such a bright light and such a bright star in our scene. So um, I just wanted to say thank you so much. And I should close up by asking you if there's anything else the, the readership, the listenership should know before we wrap up. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much to DC Beer. You all have definitely provided this platform for me to get the story out, to share my story. And it's just been wonderful. And yeah, I really appreciate you all. Like, for real, I really appreciate it. And um, there's a lot more to come. I'm actually in the works of something really awesome. It's a surprise. So I just want everyone to stay tuned. Y'all can follow me on the Vibe Queen and the Traveling Beer Babe. So, you know, super excited to share with you all. So the, those are the best handles to keep up with your work on IG. Yes, the Vibe Queen and the Traveling Beer Babe. I also have a website, so you can actually go to www.thevibequeen.com or www.thetravelingbearbabe.com and to see more of my work and to follow the stories and keep up. So. 
Excellent. All right. So follow on IG, follow uh, the website, and we will be hearing a lot more from you. Thank you so much, Imani. We really appreciate you. I appreciate you all too. And we're back for the next portion of the interviews of Black History Month. We're going to talk to a white guy. It's Justin from Atlas. It's part two of my interview with him. Um, but we're going to be discussing, in no small part, an upcoming collaboration that he has with Miles Gray, former chair of DC Beer Week, former head honcho guru of Smith Public Trust and Smith Commons, and who has an upcoming Smith Golden Rule project brewing in Columbia Heights. So, without further ado, Justin. Atlas is the first DC brewery to really uh, be sending out beers through the mail to other states. Previously, um, there have been some members of the DC Brewers Guild, as well as the Guild itself, I won't say complaining, remarking on that it's certainly easier to ship beer to DC than it is for DC brewers to ship outside of DC. Mm -hmm. um, you've had the direct shipping program up for about four months now or so? Yeah, I think it was kind of the beginning of November we got it, we got it actually oh, shipped okay. in beer. All right, so not even. What have you all learned from like these first couple of months in terms of like the direct shipments? Do you see a, a viable future here? Because there certainly are area breweries um, and they, you know, they do brisk business um, in terms of shipping here, there and everywhere, thinking of like adroit theory, for example. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's gonna be, you know, we had no idea what to expect when we launched it. And again, you know, in COVID times, we were trying to figure out how can we how can we sell more beer and hit people that we've not been able to touch before? I think I think the jury is definitely still out on what the kind of long term success of it looks like. It's uh, a little little slow going at the beginning. I, I will admit. I mentioned earlier, you know, that there's a lot of really it comes down to you know the cost of shipping beer is really expensive. You know, to buy a six pack of beer, the shipping is more expensive than the beer itself. And so then the consumers are in this in this world of, you know, well, why would I get this six pack and have to pay double the price for the six pack when there's, you know, 9000 breweries in the United States and there's probably at least five or six within 20 miles of, of where I live. Um, so, I mean, that's definitely hurdle number one. And, you know, Atlas, what, what we do sort of our brewing philosophy is making really solid and approachable and well-balanced everyday beers so admittedly, we're not the hype brewery that's coming out with a, a brand new IPA every every week. And so we're definitely unique, I think, in, in the shipping world in terms of what our brand is and how how that will translate into into some of these uh, these states that don't know who we are. You're totally right. And I'm 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 on the board of directors for the guild, I'm on the executive committee for the DC Brewers Guild and something we've been complaining about for a while. One of the you know, DC's alcohol regulate regulatory world is is very open compared to many many other other jurisdictions um and so that's been fortunate for for dc for a while because we've had such an amazing beer selection from all over the country and getting getting beers in that other places can't get due to you know weird regulatory things in dc but the downside of that is you know for our local brewers in dc it makes it easier for people to grab other people's beer um, and harder for us to, you know, reciprocally ship beers into those states. Yeah, I mean, this is this is DC beer and not Harrisburg beer, right? <laughs> uh, but one of the interesting things um, that we've noted throughout all this uh, direct shipping is that uh, Pennsylvania seems to have uh, really liberalized and opened up, but only up to a point. 
where you know any given individual can purchase like 192 ounces of you know alcohol you know per person per year from one particular source and some of these rules um make it easy to send beer back and forth and others um a little bit trickier yeah and pennsylvania was one i was surprised they even allowed it all together you know they're notorious for having this crazily over overly burdensome regulatory scheme and so that was that was a surprise to me and you know, you take on the other side of it, Nevada is a state that allows it, and we don't ship to Nevada just, again, because the shipping costs are, are almost insurmountable to get beer out there. But their application is, you know, basically just send us the $50 check and you're good. Huh. So it seems like in terms of like shipping to, say, Maryland, like the Eastern Shore, or say, like someplace in Ohio, the numbers work out in terms of like, you all can do, do shipping and not take like a huge, huge hit, maybe even turn a little bit of profit um, but other other states um, it's going it's going to be slow going exactly and I, I've learned so much about about shipping and and we ship through UPS and so I've really delved into kind of how their rate tables and all of that work and it seems to be the the radius that's economically viable is uh, you know kind of hits Ohio and um, Virginia and a little bit of Kentucky and then um, you know Pennsylvania and Maryland and and after that, it starts getting getting a little overly burdensome on the shipping cost side. And, you know, then it's, it's kind of a question of, you know, how, how much of that shipping do we want do we want to pay for? And how much of that is, is the consumer willing to pay for and kind of finding that balance? And we're, we've sort of taken the approach of doing we offer subscription packages. So we have kind of, you know, a Hophead Delight package, which is Dance of Days and Ponzi that we'll send you every month. Um, or we have a Beers, or a, a brewer's curated uh, package as well. So that's uh, Daniel Villaruby, our head brewer, picking which beers are going out that month for, for everybody. Um, and so with the subscription model, we're able to do a flat rate shipping of, you know, regardless of how much beer you're getting, it's, it's 10 bucks, no matter where you live or where it's going to, um, for just a la carte one-off purchases. Currently, that is, you know, the, just, the shipping is what the shipping is. Um, so hoping to get people to you know give us a shot on the subscription side, and then hopefully we can build this thing up enough to drive that shipping cost down even lower. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like it's working out reasonably well. All these things, you know, and I just I wanted to started making beer in my basement, and just wanted to make make beers and and uh, you know be part of the beer community. And now I, I know way too much about logistics. Didn't didn't realize yes, that would be a huge part of the business. And look at you now. <laughs> so we talked um, occasionals, um, which is a that's one collaboration. You've got an upcoming one with uh, Miles Gray, who used to head up DC Beer Week, um, as known to, you know, fan and friend of the site uh, through um, Smith Commons, Smith Public Trust. Um, and he's working on something, Smith Golden Rule. Um, can you talk a little bit about your uh, collaboration with Miles? Yeah, for sure. So known Miles for, for years and years and years. So knew him or met him, I guess, through the process of when we were starting up Atlas and when when the Craft Brewers Conference came to D.C. back in, I guess it was 2012, um, Miles was at, at Smith Commons then. He's always, Miles is an amazing guy. He's amazingly smart. Yeah. He's amazingly salient and, and just has his thumb on the pulse of, of, of culture more than anybody I've ever met. And he's always been that way. And, you know, even back in 2012, he the beer program they had at Smith Commons was way ahead of its time and, and very incredible. Um, and he, he invited or he, he put together an event with all the brewers coming into D.C. for um, Craft Brewers Conference called Masters of the Craft Beer Universe. And so he got 
you know, the Firestone Walker guys were there. Ken Grossman was there. Uh, a whole lot of other people from other other really great and solid solid breweries. And he got them all together in one room just through his, you know, sheer savvy and charm. And we were very fortunate that he invited us to come over. You know, we were not even a going concern. We had, I think, we had made five T-shirts of which – Two of them uh, made appearance at that at that event with me and my partner at the time, Will. And so, yeah, no, no miles forever. Absolutely love the guy. And then he uh, he approached me, and he was you know thinking he has a brand Smith Golden Rule of which he he's making a, a lot of different things within. He's you know been making some hand sanitizer, um, trying to help out during uh, during COVID with filling that supply chain, um, and really wanted to take it take that kind of brand and create a beer and reaches his base um, and try to expand the amount of people who are drinking craft beer and the demographic of people who are drinking craft beer. So we've been, been talking with him, you know, working on some pilot beers and trying to get a, a recipe that, uh, that everyone is in love with before we start canning that and putting it out. And hopefully we'll be able to collaborate on that, both with obviously on the beer side, but getting some direct to consumer um, reach going with, uh, with that brand as well. Excellent. So we should maybe be on the lookout for that um, next month or so? Or I hope so, yes. Again, time is a flat circle in COVID, um, but that, that is kind of our plan. We're working through some, some recipe refinement now and hope to have kind of a first draft release coming up very soon. Cool. And this may require procuring more blanks in terms of cans as well? or With Miles, I think we're looking at a little bit larger scale. So I don't know if we're going to be quite going painted cans, but a, a shrink sleeve can will likely be what we end up doing with that, which we, we definitely have a supply chain built for already. Excellent. Before we head out, you want to tell the uh, listenership, the, the viewership, what else Atlas has coming down the pike? Yeah. So we are, I mean, the very next thing is we're re-releasing our spring seasonal, the precious one, which is our apricot IPA with, with cryo mosaic hops. So that beer we, we debuted a couple years ago during the government shutdown. And we had a big controversy that with the federal government and not being able to get our label approval that ended up in a lawsuit. And it was another crazy, crazy time and uh, crazy attention for better or for worse from that. Um, but absolutely fantastic beer and one of our most requested beers when it's not in season. Um, so we're super pumped to be releasing that. And that'll be both at, at our Ivy City Tap Room and our Half Street uh, Brewery and Tap Room. You know, we're still navigating. Our hours are, are changing constantly, and I just ask people to check out. Uh, uh, honestly, Google Maps is the best place to, to look for our updated hours there. And so, you know, we're, we're having socially distanced indoor, indoor tables available and patio when it's not absolutely freezing and Ivy City. And then at Half Street is the same deal with the exception of our patio. We do have heaters on the patio. Um, we started with three electric heaters. We, you know, the whole Northern Hemisphere was trying to winterize patios at the same time. And so... Yeah, um, I've, got, I've got one of these patio heaters out back. And so I seem to have stumbled into uh, the great restaurant propane shortage of uh, late 2020, early 2021 uh, with regards to these things. It's yeah, it's it's insane, and you know we we thought we thought we were out in front of it a little bit, and thinking oh we need to get some heaters now. And the time we did that, it was it was too late. So and we wanted to use electric heaters rather than propane too, just from our you know environmental perspective. And those just got bought up immediately, and we were working with with the Capital Riverfront bid actually to kind of bulk buy some heaters, and they were supposed to be here in late November. And I think 
I think they arrived um, today after I left the office. So we'll have them. Uh, we'll have them up and running tomorrow, and have a nice, nice heated patio out on 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 Half Street. Excellent. All right, Justin. Uh, we appreciate you all taking you taking the time. Again, Atlas Brew Works, two locations in D.C. Check them out. Thanks again, Justin. Thanks so much, Jake. Always a pleasure, my man. Welcome back. That was a wonderful interview. Yes, that was good. I haven't seen Justin in a long time. I used to go to Atlas every single weekend and several times a week while I was working over in Ivy City. So I can't wait for the weather to be nicer so we can go sit outside more, go hang out at Atlas and... and uh, and other half and all yes. all the places. <laughs> I want to make an, an Ivy City trip in particular because other half has brewed what I'm told is a true to style London porter at uh, their Brooklyn head original brewing facility. It's currently on tap uh, at Ivy City. And I am very curious as to uh, what what the Hayes Lords do um, with a very traditional style as cool. part of their past and present series. On that note, we're really wrapping up here. Two interviews. I hope you enjoyed um, their voices as opposed to ours. Brandy, Mike, parting thoughts. Send us off. I will keep dropping beer on your doorsteps and vice versa. It's how, it's how we've been getting through this. And I hope everybody listening is, you know, doing something similar. And, uh, you know... When you drink something good, tag us so I can see it and drool over it or go get it myself. <laughs> That's right. At the DC Beer on all the Soch. At DC Beer. Yeah. Don't stop the drop. Mm-mm. Keep those keep those uh, those cans coming. And yeah, I would just say that um, to paraphrase both of you, uh, Brandy, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but you posted something on your stories. It was like, roses are red, violets are blue. Can't wait to fuck up white supremacy with you. Or something. Yeah, something so like that. Yeah. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. And Jake, I'll paraphrase you, which is every time a fooder leaves a brewery, I'm sad because things get a little less weird. <laughs> uh, so we're talking directly <laughs> to you, Thor. At you. So, <laughs> so speaking... In context, um, right, proper, some of their fooders are gone to Oxbow. Some of their fooders are gone to Ancho. So they're staying in town. Ancho Cidery has some of the right, proper fooders, which is wonderful. Also wonderful is supporting uh, Black artists in every shape or form. It's Black History Month, 52 weeks out of the year. And yeah, I should just say that we're we're lucky to be in D.C. where we have not one but two Black-owned breweries. We hope to see more of them. Shout out to Solmega and Sankofa um, and everybody who's doing the damn thing in the city. And if you want to buy them both at the same time, you can do so at Thami, T-H-A-M-E-E, on H Street. Immigrant owned, women of color owned. They sell both Solmega and Sankofa. So it was roses are red, alt facts aren't true. I want to destroy white supremacy with you. (laughs) One of my friends. So, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, happy Black History Month. We will keep yeah. the interviews coming and we will talk to you all sooner rather than later, we hope, um, at DC Beer across social media. And I know we say Bye. peace. Bye, buddy. <laughs>